0: Hello and welcome to From The Spot, I'm your host John Brown and in today's show we're going to be discussing numerous different topics surrounding Scottish football. In today's show we'll be comparing Stephen Gerrard and Neil Lennon's managerial styles as well as the different playing styles of Odson, Edward and Alfredo morelos We'll also be looking at where the season has gone right and wrong with Hibs and Hart and having an exclusive interview with sports journalist James Kearney in regards to the introduction of VR into the Scottish game. You're watching From The Spot with John Brown. You, John, for me to be Saturday and now to be the manager of rain. Accept her offer to become the permanent manager Celtic. Comparing the different managerial styles of Neil Lennon and Steven Gerrard, it's obvious that uh, Lennon has the edge over Gerrard in terms of experience. He's won every major domestic honour in Scotland but the caveat to that is that it can be argued that Neil Lennon only got those trophies and had his most successful period at Celtic at a point where there was limited competition in the spell without Rangers. Um, and I think the fact that uh, Lennon was beaten by Rangers in his first season in charge and really started to come into his own with the Celtic team and win trophies, once Rangers were in dire financial straight. and eased his disastrous spell at Bolton and Hibs as well, it may point to Lennon only really being able to do it with a very good squad. And there's a lot of question marks about what his ability would be if he didn't have the best squad to work with in the league. Uh, just kind of moving on to Steven Gerrard as well I I'd, I would say that his time at Rangers thus far it has been somewhat successful but you can't deny that he's yet to win a major trophy and I think that this does come down to his inexperience if you look at his Rangers team where they've struggled the most is really when the pressure's been on them to perform um, even if his stats in the league in Europe are very good. All kind of meaningless in the league when you really have to knuckle down, show some character and fake for the title. I think he's inherited the team of Players who you know, they're used to being routinely beaten comfortably by Celtic over the past few seasons, and it, it has transformed them into title contenders in a way. But there's still just that missing piece, I think, because every time where it looks like they're going to get a bit ahead, they're maybe going to put a bit of pressure on Celtic, they always seem to fumble and fall. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's maybe a, an issue of mentality or a his managerial style, but th- th- I think that that is the major thing that's kind of blocking Gerard from. Uh, his spell at Rangers been truly successful. And I think since the winter break, his team has really, really, really struggled. Again, well, that is due to. Gerrard's tactics or the players suffering a drop in form they just seem to have lost that edge that got them a one against Celtic going into the new year I think part of this it really does come down to an experience on Steven Gerrard's part just doesn't seem to be able to change the team shape to better combat teams in SPL who sit deep and defend I think that is one of the reasons actually that Gerrard's tactics are genuinely most successful in Europe where the majority of teams Rangers have played they're primarily attacking teams that are going to come out and try to attack Rangers to get the draw you know pass the ball a bit a lot move the ball forward and teams in the build they don't play like that. They sit deep, they defend, you know, they wait to counter-attack. And that's just a playing style that maybe Gerard and the Rangers team, they're just not used to dealing with that type of thing. And if you look at the opposite side of the school, Lennon, is, he's came back stronger, I would say, after the new year after Rangers beat Celtic does seem to have motivated uh, the Celtic team to really keep the pedal on the gas and keep putting the pressure on Rangers. Whilst I think Rangers have a tendency to drop off. I think that that's really a, a key difference between the two teams. Celtic, they, they do have that mentality of, right, we've, we've kind of got them where we want them. We need to win games. We need to keep pressure, keep the pressure, keep the pressure. Whilst Rangers, they, they tend to, I think, get too comfortable and fall back. And you know Even when Celtic aren't playing well which has been a lot of games this season they're still managing to get past teams even if it is just uh, maybe a 1-0 win or a 2-1 win or even a draw they're managing to get results that are still picking up points whilst Rangers they seem to get they seem to get frustrated against teams that are comfortable just to sit back and let Rangers kind of move the ball out in the midfield whilst I think Celtic the they know that that's how teams in the SVL play and they'll find a way to better combat that than Gerrard does. You know, I think it's due to Lennon also. He's, he has more flexibility in the changes he makes. You, you've seen him bring on people like Tom Roderick or maybe a Cal McGregor or Ryan Christie or something, and he's able to rotate those players depending on whether the team are behind or they're in front. The way that he plays the team is very different to the way Steven Gerrard does because when Gerrard goes behind, he tends to stick with the same formation and most Lennon has a tendency to be more open to maybe changing things maybe changing the shape and stuff and I think that that's you know another reason that I think that Lennon has been more successful this season than Steven Gerrard yeah like I said it's it's easier when you've got players that you can bring off the bench that are going to have that significant impact on how the team plays and how the team shape up I don't think that Rangers really have that in their team just seems to be the same formation every time there's little room for kind of flexibility or being robust mm-hmm. and in essence Gerard seems to have the exact opposite problem where his squad just they're just not robust enough to change formation the way Celtic do and I think it really does affect how they go because when they get behind mm-hmm. a team they have a tendency to just kind of no do anything while Celtic when they fall behind learning a tendency to bring on players and stuff that are able to change the game bring a bit of kind of dynamism to the to the team. I think that that's a, that is a key feature um, that Gerrard's really missing this season. I think it's led to issues in Gerrard's squad especially where players, they seem to be getting away with subpar performances and that's uh, because of a real lack of depth um, or alternative players just not being favoured by manager you know, you've seen it so many times where Connor Goldson or Tavernier makes a really horrendous mistake and they get to play the next game but if say Katic or uh, Matt Polster made that same mistake, you know, the behind it you can't play favourites as a manager you need to be open to looking at every player on their own ability and choosing right you know this player's kind of off form who can I bring in you know as, as much of a leg for leg replacement as you can and I don't think that Gerard does that and I think it's really the thing that's a button in the nose this season. But yeah, I think that what Stephen Gerrard really has to do going into next season is he needs to identify where these league links are and maybe work with Heather recruitment Ross Wilson. bring in some proven experienced players maybe have experience uh, fighting for promotion and the promotion to the premiership or even from the Lower League of Scotland. They just need that kinda those kind of players that are going to be up for the title challenge that are going to go up you know put it all out in the line and actually go for that and i think that that's something that rangers th- they've really lacked so uh, in short you know i think steven gerrard he does have potential as manager but it has to be a much more robust tactic and he has to work to instill the ability to pull three points from games where you aren't playing your best which like i said that's something that Neil lennon's really been able to do with Celtic this season. Why I think that uh, Celtic are in a better position than Rangers right now. You're watching From The Spot with John Brown. So moving on, the comparison between Alfredo Morelos and Edward, you know, throughout the season, one of the main things that's been integral to both Celtic and Rangers' title campaigns, it has been the Star Strikers. You know, Celtic have Odds and Eduard, and that's a player who this season has really hit his stride in the league and really, really has pushed Celtic on with some crucial goals. You know, always dependable. Whenever Celtic are maybe struggling and stuff, you can never count them out to just kind of grab a goal from nowhere, and that's is really what you need for a, a title challenger. But I guess kind of the opposite side of that has been it hasn't been able to quite bring that form in, Euro- in European games the same way that Alfredo Morelos has, especially when you consider that Alfredo Morelos is actually the top goal scorer in the Europa League. Um, and that was just in the group stages. I think, I think if his form didn't drop off, you know, very good chance of being the top goal scorer there. I think crucially, what puts Edouard maybe a bit above many losses is that he's arguably been the season's most consistent player, not only Celtic's most consistent player. Um, I think he's shown himself to be very capable of keeping a good run of form going. It's going to and Goals that Celtics title hopes going. You no, know, he really is that player that uh, can always kinda look for to create chances and score goals and stuff. I was afraid of Manelas so if maybe the team aren't playing up to standards and stuff, especially as of late he just doesn't seem doesn't seem interesting. He doesn't have as much fight in him, I think, as Edward does. Edward's always pressing forward, always looking for a goal and stuff. So Fredo Morelos He, he kind of waits For the chances To come to him Which I think Is a key difference Between the two Because Edward, He can You know He's much more Dynamic I think um, And robust In the way That he plays Whereas Morelos a good player Good finisher A bit one dimensional I think, I think Edouard he's, he's shown That he knows The league Well and he really knows that his role as a goal scorer is really important but he's also able to change the way he plays and become more of a provider if the team needs that which is something that, you know, Morelos lacks in his gameplay Like I said, Morelos is more of your standard, like way up the front for the ball to get hit to me and I'll put it in the back of the net type of striker Also, I'll say the word, it's more like and I'm going to actually, you know, work for the ball, you know, maybe work as part of a partnership, you know, if they change the formation. He's just much more, you get much more variety, I think, from Edward than you would from Morelos. And I think that kind of Eduard's all round play has really been shaped to complement Celtic. Um, he's really been able to hold the line and score goals, but he's also really been able to fall back and uh, operate as more of a creator, which I think is something again that Rangers are really missing. Um, because Celtic do have that option uh, to play two strikers, because because uh, Edward can turn into that more more of a provider role. Because I think I think yeah, Rangers they really do lack that. You know, they don't have like uh, the, I guess the courtesy of having a striker that's able to compensate having a partnership. Yeah, I think comparatively, you know, Murillo's did really start the season in good form, but. You need to keep it going. And I think that has form It's dropped off to a point where I think that Rangers should really be looking to maybe giving camberi or Defoe a, a run the games. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier part of the season, Morelos is actually a really reliable figure. It's either due to issues on or off the field, but he hasn't been able to keep that good run of form going past the new year. And I think that, you know, I'm kind of lacks that ability that Edward has to accommodate another striker he seems much more comfortable playing in that lone striker role than as part of a partnership and I think the problem that you create there is that if you're naturally more inclined to play in that lone striker role you really have to show consistency and a killer instinct and throw it a goal and that's something that Morelos has severely been lacking since Rangers have come back from the winter break and you know. It's, it's not that Mariles doesn't have it in him be that deadly finisher, we're talking about a player, like I said, that's joint top goal scorer in the Europa League, but you compare the, you compare Morelos' form pre-winter break to post-winter break it almost seems like two different players it's honestly night and day, you know uh, Fredo Morelos scored seven in the Europa League group stages and the player that they've got in that's come back in January, he just doesn't reflect that at all um, and Honestly, I think that it's the lack of consistency on Morelos' part as well. It's really short Rangers on the foot. You know, coming after the winter break, Rangers could have really pushed Celtic, but they didn't. You know, they let their foot off the gas. I think that a lot of players, Morelos and Cody, just didn't turn up. And I think that Celtic, they've really took advantage of that. And they've... Put the pressure on Celt- on Rangers now. It's an odd situation because Rangers were in a really good position going into that, going into the winter break. When I mean, you look at it, the, they just beat Celtic in the old form game. They The game in hand, you know, realistically they should have been applying that pressure to Celtic as soon as they come back. But they just didn't do that. Their form just seemed to fall off a cliff. It's, V- very very strange and I think that that's kind of reflected in the way that Morelos has come back, he just doesn't he doesn't seem interested, you know he's missing chances that he really should be finishing and I, I just think that you know, whatever's happened is, is just not the same player I think, you know, Morelos he's, he's been disappointing, frustrating to watch since about a break, you know we've seen him miss chances that he, he really should be burning, especially with the eye for goal that he's Shown in the SPL with the amount of goals that he's scored. It really isn't acceptable. But it be issues on Riffa Park, you know. Rangers really need to sort out why he seems to have dropped him for him. Should maybe even be looking like I said, I can bury the full rotation of partnership until these issues get resolved. I think that's the only real option that they have, given, like, Manélas has put it in the form. And on the flip side, I really do feel that Edward has shown why he deserved that nine million price tag that Celtic paid. Yeah, he's been arguably the most consistent player in the Celtic team, scored against both big and small teams. And he has grabbed goals that have, you know, dug Celtic out of some deep holes this season. From being predictive, you know, both of these players have a lot of good qualities about them, But Manilas has just been underperforming of late and it's so, like, Disappointing, considering the player that he was before the winter break. Just to see, like, see the lack of motivation in him. Because I think Hugh, he, he, he really should have been integral to Rangers' title challenge this season. And I think that he's let down the fans. I think he's let down Gerard. I think more, more importantly, he's let down himself with the way that he's, you know, came back. You know, you're looking for leaders in this Rangers team, and. I just don't see any, you know what I mean? Especially not in Alfredo Morelos. R- regardless, you know, I think between the two, Eduardo is the better overall player. Show more versatility than Morelos. But I still think there is a player kind of inside the Alfredo Morelos that is really val- invaluable to Rangers when they are in form. It needs to work in your discipline and consistency to bring that player out because it is it's really hammering them in the league this season and it's something that they really need to work out. You're watching From the Spot with John Brown. Going across to Scotland's Capital City, you know, seen a dramatic season so far concerning the two Edinburgh teams. Hart's really started off the season pretty abysmal under Craig Levine and his tenure ended after an incredibly poor run of no home wins in six months, 16 wins in 50 games, eight of which were in the league, with the club 11th in the Premiership. And considering Hart's previous finishing places under Levine, it was obvious that his Hart's side never met the demands that the club had set out. They fell well short of the mark in my opinion. I think realistically it was Levine's servitude to the club that saved him from that for so long after previous variable average finishes. I mean we're talking about a man that spent 23 of his 55 years on the planet working with the Tinker outfit and I think that that definitely played a part in keeping him on. And I think that many chose to look at it as they were sticking with someone who has an obvious passion for the club but the thing is when that passion doesn't translate to landfill results you simply have to surely draw a line in the sand sooner than Hartston. I think it's this loyalty to Levine that has now seen Hart's dead and like and reasonably likely to go down this season. You can't help but have sympathy for the fans because they evidently wanted change of management even before the beginning of the current season there was talks of you know protests and boycotting games. The owner and bad, she just refused to make the difficult decision that should have been made at the end of last season you know. Levine registered four losses and one draw in his last five at the end of the season I would say that that's enough for any kind of top flight SBL manager to have his, have his job put in jeopardy if not just sacked outright. I think they dragged their feet for too long and it created a problem where by the time Hearts had done the right thing and sacked Craig Levine the damage had really already been done I think under new manager Daniel Stendel, Hearts They've made good progress, they've got to the Scottish Cup semi-final, recorded two wins over Rangers, but the effects of Levine's tenure, it still kind of hangs over them, especially as the cup sits, you know, dead last with one win, two draws, two losses in the last five. Um, and I think you have to sympathise greatly with the manager, Daniel Stendhal. He's been handed a Hearts team that is, is just in severe disarray, and the thing for i think if I'm budge, had been able to put her friendship and admiration of living to the side and maybe wake up a bit earlier to smell the coffee, perhaps hurts, you know, they may, may have actually had a salvageable season. As it stands you know, her decision making as an owner to stick with a manager that's treaded water and hasn't broke through the top five since he took over from Ian Cafferill, you know in 2017, it speaks to a lack of priorities to where she put her personal friendship and admiration of a manager whose glory days are long, long, long gone over it was supposed to be obvious to anyone but hard to the betterment of the club and comparatively Hibs looked to have turned the tide with the appointment of Jack Ross when Paul Hickenbottom took over the Leaf Club after last season's winter break. The Englishman looked to have definitely revived the team and they experienced a a really brief unbeaten run with the Englishman actually winning the Premiership Manager of the Month award for March 2019 and recording Hibs first away derby for six years. Hibs ultimately finished fifth last season and that was kind of a decent finishing point for them but Hickenbottom showed real concern with the mentality of the team They did record three losses, two draws in the last five games of the season And it did seem like they appeared to down tools and maybe lose faith in the manager Which you, you just can't do at that level So coming back from the next season I think that, that did affect the way that the have team played You know, it was obvious that they weren't in for the manager anymore And that's really shown in the result Where, where they would ultimately win only one of their first 11 matches this season and, you know, I think Button we'll would leave the club in 10th place. I think since then, new manager Jack Ross, he's been able to piece together a quite respectable run, to be honest, to bring Hibbs up to 6th place currently. But I think an income like Hearts has to identified that things maybe weren't going right and they made the changes to avoid the drop zone this season, but Hibs aren't quite put out of the water yet, they still run the risk of repeating the team's failures on the think bottom last season they find themselves in kind of a similar situation where Jack Ross got off to a very good start, recently their form has been very poor, 1-2, drew one and lost one in their last five games as well as they were being, they were single beaten by Hart in the Edinburgh Derby so this fight, it makes me wonder, maybe this is a repeated problem in that Hibs team as well where the players were maybe showing a, a bit of ego, putting themselves above the manager and stuff because this is twice now that a manager's been able to pull good results from that team, but their form is, is just so far off. Because I think at that point you have to question where the kind of players' motivation is. I think you need to start putting players back in line at that point. Otherwise, Hibbs re- really do risk falling into the same category as Hearts, where they just didn't learn from their mistake, persisted with something that wasn't working. And I think that um, Hibs have a real opportunity to, to turn the page here, get it sorted before it becomes a major problem bit the road to have to act quickly otherwise uh, we're going to end up in exactly the same boat as Hart. You're watching From The Spot with John Brown. we played over 30 games, that's well over two-thirds of the season, so we, we should be declared champions. From afar the SPFL looks an absolute mess. So moving on again. For the first time since we were to the league looks to be unable to be completed this season. And this is obvious to anybody that's been following news and stuff, uh, due to the coronavirus limiting gatherings of more than five hundred people in Scotland. And because of the risk that this poses to kind of fans and also the players, the people who have called for the season to be voided. Others have said that Celtic should be awarded the season, that the season should finish as it stands. And in that event, what would happen is the Celtic would become champion and Hurts would end up really with Dundee United being promoted. But there is a lot of issues with that, and that is that one would argue that because the league was disbanded due World War Two, that does set a precedent for the league being declared, now like the full games can't be completed. For being technical, when the league was abandoned during the World War, Rangers were top at one point no other a really small percentage of games that had been played and there isn't a well-defined ruling on what should happen if the season cannot be completed which is why we find ourselves in this situation where fans are kind of chirping and saying i think this should happen you know i think that should happen ideally the sfa need to address this and come to a decision quickly you can argue that Celtics still have around 20% or so of games to play and two of those are old trum games and Rangers also have a game in hand i think it's very possible for Rangers to get Celtics lead down to maybe three or five points i don't think that that would be something that's you know especially when you consider Helicopter Sunday and all the kind of other things that have happened in the league we have seen weirder things we've seen teams come back to win the league from worse positions and Rangers are in there handing Celtic to title that'd be really unfair to hearts they'd be relegated really with games still to play and I think first and foremost in player safety has to come above any club's domestic honors. and I think for New Lennon to call for Celtic to you know just be handed an SPL trophy for a season that isn't finished that's ludicrous in my opinion I think that If they do that, they're going to open up a huge can of worms in regards to teams being relegated. It speaks to a lack of priorities for the Glasgow club as well that all they're concerned about is getting the SPL title when there's people in the stands that are at risk, there's players in the fields that are at risk. There's a lot more that goes into it than just, we want to be handed the title. You need to consider the safety of your fans, opposing fans and players before you even start talking about handing out titles or the league finishing or anything like that. And I think that that was a real, really bad misjudgment from Neil Lennon, Scott Brown and the Celtic team to come out and say that they should be handed the title because I don't think that should happen at all. I think that I think it's best that the league just gets snow avoided at this point and maybe restart the league, promote Dundee and then go for there. You maybe have an extra relegation spot next season. But I think that that would be a better option than first, like, you know, relegating a team that still have matches to play and also giving titles to a team that they're not clean and dry, you know. It's fir- 13 points. Again, not unheard of that you can come back for a thirteen point decimate, especially not in S. Well, so oh all no, all, I, I do think that avoiding the season it, it's it's just the best option I think because it is going to solve a lot of headaches for the SFA. I think it really is the fairest thing to do. Nobody could have predicted that this was going to happen. You know, it is exceptional circumstances, and I think that Neil Lennon and Celtic th- they should have been more reflective of that before calling for themselves to be crowned champions. You are watching from the spot with John Brown. controversial element of the English Premier League this season has been VR. During season where Scottish officiating has been largely called question, there has been calls for the SPL to fellowship introducing VR. I spoke to journalist James Kearney who works for both the Times and the Herald about the possible financial implications of VR being introduced and the reasons for and against it. So I guess starting off can you maybe just tell the listeners a bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, so my name is
1: James Kearney, I'm the party Thistle correspondent for the Herald and the Glasgow Times and I uh, like to try and do some sort of analysis pieces as well, uh, both for print and online, uh, mainly focusing on Scottish football, uh, in particular in the premiership but Dublin
0: the championship as well. Yeah, um so we're here primarily to talk about kind of VR. It is still in its infancy stages, but we're seeing it introduced in stuff like the World Cup more and all stuff. How well do you think it's been integrated maybe so far? Uh, depends on the competition, to be honest. When
1: it was introduced for the 2018 World Cup, I generally thought it worked quite well. Now, that's possibly because of the novelty factor. Uh, Obviously, at that point in time, it's the first time we've really seen it rolled out uh, at a major competition, and it seemed to work okay. But I think what we're seeing is, uh, particularly in the English Premier League and the Champions League, there are definite issues with it that need to be resolved, and it's far from the finished article at the moment. Uh, it's it's something that I I was really encouraged when they first talked about introducing it. I thought it would be a really good step forward for football you know, to try and remove some of the controversy from the game. But as I'm sure we'll get
0: into, I think the opposite has happened, really. Yeah. Uh, so just, I, I guess, kind of just expanding a bit in that, do you think Scotland is maybe falling behind other countries and stuff because they don't have VR, it seems to be becoming more of the commonplace thing
1: Yeah, I, mean, I guess you get it in the big five leagues I believe, I think you see it in yeah. all of them now um, and they've had it for a year or two and so in terms of you know, VR itself we're obviously lagging behind in that we don't have it and other countries do, mm-hmm. whether or not that's a bad thing or not uh, I kind of feel that there's a lot of teething problems still with VAR, and there's a lot that needs to change before it can get effectively used. Um, so while Scotland doesn't have it at the moment, I don't think that's necessarily detrimental. Yeah.
0: So do you think that is really kind of any areas, or would VR could benefit the SBL? There, I think there are some things like things where it is a black and white decision,
1: where you know, uh, like goal line technologies. Something that comes to mind immediately, where it's not necessarily VAR, but the idea of you know yeah. ball's ever crossed the line, or it's not—it's an analog decision. There's not really much wiggle room. Uh, I think we're seeing with offside that uh, in other leagues we can see that there's still a lot of debate over what is and what isn't offside. Yeah. Like the rules need to be clarified because when you see you know screenshots, and it's a guy's armpit being offside by millimeters, <laughs> like that's not really offside at all. I mean, the rule of the law of offside is meant to be that you give the, where there's any doubt, you give the advantage to the attacker. Now that seems to be, what seems to be happening now is that they'll give the advantage in the initial play. If it looks marginal, they'll then cut it back to VAR and then if it's offside by the tiniest of fractions of margins, then it's ruled out, which I think is ludicrous and it goes against the original law which is the idea that you're meant to give advantage to the attacker. It takes away that from the spirit of the game. You get decisions now, getting cho- uh, goals are getting chopped off, where opposing team players aren't even appealing for the, for the decision, and yet goals are getting chopped off. like That's ludicrous. If no one on the pitch thinks there's nothing, uh, the goal should
0: be disallowed, why is it being disallowed? Yeah. Um, so you just kind of touched on it a bit there, but I guess just to expand on it, do you think that VR maybe would benefit from... I guess, all governing bodies just being more explicit about exactly how they want it to be used and just being a bit more consistent?
1: Yeah, I think there definitely needs to be rule changes. I think the current rules that are in place aren't, you know, they're drawn up before VAR was implemented and they don't really. Uh, take that into consideration because it didn't exist before then Yeah, yeah things yeah like the offside law well, that needs to be changed, it doesn't work at the moment uh, things that, you know, in terms of it, what is a clear and obvious error that needs to be very clearly defined because right now it seems to be it's just an error that it can then reverse a decision, can then come in and reverse a decision that's not necessarily always right I mean, it's you get it seen for guys who are marginally offside 30 seconds before a goal is uh, scored I then mean, that's brought back as a clear and obvious error when if there's no one on the pitch that recognises that as a mistake,
0: how can that be clear and obvious? Yeah. yeah. So, especially in England, there is a lot of kind of controversy about it. A lot of it is unwanted, but, but they do say that VR helps something. I don't personally think that, but that's a, a common complaint. So, like, up up here uh, in this build, do you think that maybe. The argument could be made that we are, it may be used to benefit maybe Celtic and Rangers, and is those other the two that are primarily going for the title?
1: Possibly. Um, I mean, I don't think there's many people that would disagree with the fact that generally Celtic and Rangers tend to get the rub of the green in yeah. terms of uh, refereeing decisions. Uh, that's not unique to Scotland, of course. That's just, you know, that is the case in all big leagues. Generally, bigger teams tend, if it's a marginal call, it tends to go their way. I think the the idea between of introducing VR would be that that would then stamp that out, but it depends on the amount of calls you're allowed. If it is like in its current iteration where you are decided to challenge virtually every decision, if you do that, I don't see that changing for the. I wouldn't I wouldn't say bias because I think that's maybe a bit strong, but yeah. the fact that Rangers have to get ref, get favourable decisions, I don't think that would help. Uh, I just think I just think as well like. Given the already the controversy it sounds, even the tiniest referee <laughs> decision and just about every game Celtic Rangers play in, I don't see how adding another nameless authority to adjudicate on these colleagues is gonna help matters. It's only gonna make things worse. Like there's already you know, you'll find Celtic fans who are convinced of some sort of grand conspiracy against their team, you'll find yeah. Rangers fans who feel the exact same way and the fact that they both feel that way should tell you that there is no conspiracy, but obviously you know, they won't believe it, and that's fine, you know, everyone feels like that about their own team, everyone thinks that you know, they, they don't get it as much as they should and that's fine, you know, that's, that's football you know, that's what it's like being a fan but I don't see how adding in just another layer of like, with absolutely zero transparency, that's not going to help matters, it's only going to muddy the waters further
0: yeah. um, So you just kind of touched on it there, that but maybe NISA fans, some officials they are more biased towards Rangers and Celtic, do you think particularly up here that uh, VR would maybe help officials or do you think it would just make like that kind of thing worse, it would make it easier for them to pinpoint stuff and just give the decision one we they are?
1: I think that in terms of the actual decision making it would, it would improve things if the laws were you know, tightened and made it a little bit more clear but in terms of the reaction to those decisions I think it would make things worse I think in Scotland we spend too much time focusing on refereeing decisions rather than just talking about the game But you know, we can, we should just accept that referees they're trying their best they'll get things right most of the time sometimes they'll make mistakes there's no agenda or anything it's just it's just the way it happens you know you know, they're human beings there's always going to be a degree of human error and over the course of a the season these things tend to balance themselves out uh, but we don't we don't really have, to have that I mean you know after every weekend there's always a debate about oh this this player should have been sent off or you know that was clearly a foul I
0: just find it really tiresome to be honest I'd much rather talk about the football than talk about decisions In terms of maybe like the SFN stuff them authorising VAR to be used and stuff, what do you think the major stumbling blocks are that's maybe stopping them from what from wanting it to be used? Uh, first and foremost finance
1: um, if you're a Celtic or Rangers or not, you can afford to spend you know 10, 20 grand whatever it is to implement VAR and you'll make sure that's fine if you are a small club that's getting promotion, say you're a Ross County, Hamilton, Livingston, Part of Thistle, St Mount, yes. these kind of teams that are yo yo clubs will bounce around between the top division and Lord Leagues. Why should you have to spend all that money? like That's a significant outlay on a piece of technology that you'll use for a year and then you might not use for the next five. Is that that's and you know, these are clubs where money is already incredibly tight. That's a player's wages for a season. So uh, in that situation where you know there's already so little money, asking them to then shell out for this as well seems a bit unrealistic in my view. Um, I've also got a problem with the fact that it creates a different. You know, it essentially means you're playing by different rules it means that in the top flight you're playing by one set of rules in the championship, in League 1 or league 2 you're playing in different rules that's a problem uh, just in terms of the fundamental integrity of the game yeah. I think that if, if you're in the same country you're in the same league structure you should be playing by the same rules and I think by implementing VAR in the top flight in the top flight alone that would then detract from it
0: and with that we conclude today's broadcast I'd like to give a special thanks to James Kinney for appearing on the show now I would always like to thank our listeners for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, John Brown, and you've been listening to From The Spot.